it takes a lot to be an artist for real, for real. So, I mean, in my mind, I was like, okay, cool. If I'm doing shows with uh, Melanie Fiona and I'm on the radio, then it's no time for me to, you know, kind of blow up. But obviously that <laughs> it didn't happen like that. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited that you are here today. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. I know that there are a million things you could be doing right now, and you are taking a moment to listen to the show. So we have a really interesting guest for you guys today, Amore Jones with New Level Music is with us and I'm really excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. But before we do that, I wanted to catch you up on something. So, you know, it was kind of a chaotic weekend. Um, I was helping a friend who had um, a surgery and, you know, was kind of laid up and in a lot of pain and she needed help with all of her pets and she's got five of them. So um, I had to scoop litter boxes and walk dogs and, um, you know, run errands and all that kind of thing. And I'm happy to do it, you know, um, always want to do that for a friend. And this is a friend who's been like very good to me. So, um, you know, I also, in the midst of all of that, you know, had gigs to get ready for, um, for next week, lyrics to learn and, you know, something that I'd mentioned to you guys on Facebook. I don't know, you know, how many of you are following me on Facebook, but I was talking um, to a lot of you about, you know, having those hard conversations that we have to have sometimes. And in the midst of all of this, helping my friend with surgery and walking animals and, and all that, you know, I came home uh, for a little bit um, on Saturday to, you know, take care of my own pets. And, um, my husband and I were kind of trading off. There was one point where he wasn't here. So, um, come back to take care of my own pets and to have that conversation, um, that I needed to have. And I, you know, I'm somebody who just hates confrontation. I hate doing all of it. I would rather everything be, um, you know, <laughs> I'd rather everything just work itself out, but that is not how life works. And so, you know, I had to have that, that conversation. I got to say, I don't know. I guess I am glad that, um, that I brought certain things up, but, um, it's just one of those things where you, it's things need to be said, but then it's almost like you've peeled off layers and now there's just more to peel off and you don't know, like, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get after. <laughs> I don't mean to be cryptic, but, you know, you have those important conversations and you're not exactly sure if you feel better about any of it. Um, definitely, you know, it's always good to clear the air, but then you're just kind of like, you know, how you, you have those conversations and then you sit and you think about everything that was said 
and what you heard and what they might have heard and you're just kind of like hmm well we will see I don't know how this is going to go if this is going to get any better you know there was no screaming match but it was just kind of like you know I don't know sometimes you just kind of have to accept situations for what they are accept people for who for who they are say your piece and then just see how it goes and just keep it moving I think so we will see see but you know for those of you who gave me advice on on Facebook and a lot of you did and it was really nice and and I you know I appreciate that um it was you know great advice to just have the conversation and just um come from a place of like wanting to understand and wanting to move forward and you know I, I had to remember that that's what the goal was because I was you know kind of irritated honestly and um <laughs> beyond irritated my feelings had been really hurt so um you know I appreciated you guys just like your support and giving me advice and all of that it was really beautiful and so I just wanted to give you the update on how that went so we will see it's unfolding still so we have a little bit of a different show today um we have Amora Jones on the show uh, he is with New Level Music and Cheer Music Pro and I was really interested to learn more about um what Amore does uh he writes music for cheer competitions and it is a very small niche market definitely it's very own specific sound um, if you're familiar with that word, that world at all, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you're not, you can go to YouTube and um, listen. But I thought, you know, I'm, we're always trying to think of other avenues as singers and songwriters um, that we can that we can take. You know, in addition to what we're already doing, everybody has a side hustle these days. So why not, you know, something that's really in alignment with what you already do. Um, and a lot of people uh, do this work remotely. So I thought so our, a lot of our shows are so LA centric, um, even though there are a lot of things that you can apply wherever you are. But this is definitely something that if you're interested in, you could do remotely, um, you know, from home. And so that's cool. So I wanted to pass it along to you guys. And if you are interested, we've got info at the end where you can get a hold of Amore. So Without further ado, Amore Jones. So, um, where are you from? Where'd you yeah, grow up? Uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, so, really, the DMV area. So, I was born in DC. Um, then I moved to Maryland, um, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and then I moved down to Fredericksburg, and then spent most of my life kind of like just going back and forth to each one. And my family's from New York, so most most of the summers I spend time up there in Utica. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm from. Mm. And uh, mm -hmm. what was life like growing up? Life was cool. Um, I was like the kid that was, I was like the, the goofy kid in a sense. Um, not like too goofy, but just, just the kid that just like was really, you know, just kind of reckless, but just didn't take life that serious. So had a lot of fun memories and stuff. So it was all good. Um, so growing up, it wasn't like I was creating a lot of like, you know, rivals or anything like that. It was just kind of like just a cool guy to be around, <laughs> like the cool, funny guy. So, it was a cool life. Yeah. Cool. And was your family musical? Mm 
Uh, no, actually. My Nana sings a little bit, but and she swears that I get the gift from her, and I, and I will give that to her. I don't know, but I'll give it to her. <laughs> um, but no, I'm the only one. <laughs> well, actually, me and my little brother um, both do music, um, but I'm the only one that kind of, like, seeks it, like, for her actual profession. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how did you uh, you start singing? How did that come into your life? Actually, I was in eighth grade. Um, what's eighth grade? Yeah, eighth, eighth grade. So you remember the, the musical Rent, right? Yeah. Classic mm-hmm. musical. So the song, you know, uh, Seasons of Love. Um, I remember auditioning for it. And the reason why I auditioned for it, I was actually in art class. And my art teacher would like always kick me out because I'm always like making impersonations of like uh, other singers and stuff like Luther Vandross, like Alicia Keys. It's like just stuff that's just like being funny. And she would always like kick me out of class. And she's like, if you like singing so much, you might as well go to chorus. So then my mind, I'm like, well, since you gave me the option to switch classes, I didn't even know you could after you started, like, the, the year. Um, I went to the chorus just to see, like, how they were. And, of course, there was a lot of girls in there. So, obviously, I'm like, yeah, let's just go to chorus real quick. <laughs> so I did. Um, <laughs> and um, it was cool, but I never really would, like, sing. I would just be there knowing that there's other singers there. It wasn't really anything that was, like, really a standout if I started singing. So I was like, ah, let me just fade to black. Um, but there was a audition for the solo for the male part in Seasons of Love. And the girls knew I could sing throughout school and stuff, but, like, I guess it was then that it kind of like, oh, wait, you got an actual voice. I, I, I auditioned because I wanted to kind of be, you know, kind of center of attention, so I did it. But it turned out, you know, to kind of be good. So I was like, okay, cool. I, even still, I wasn't, like, taking it seriously up until the dress rehearsal. Once the dress rehearsal came out, the chick who sings before the um, male part like she blew it out of the water to where if I kept up with the charades that I have, um, like been trying to do as far as like being funny and being cool and, you know, just kind of senior, but kind of shy type stuff. If I kept up with it, I, I knew my cover would have been blown. So she sang and I was like, Oh crap, I got to do it. So then when I came up, it just kind of just, I just built it. I just put it out there. Just like, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And it turned out to be kind of like, you know, a good experience, good feeling for me. And everybody loved it. So I just kind of started to hear like, you know what? Okay, let me start seeing Chris Brown real quick. So, <laughs> nice. That's when I started. Yep. And then, and then, how did it continue for you? What What year did you say that was in school? You said that was in the eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade, so like around two thousand four. Okay. And then, how did yeah. um, how did music continue for you? What else were you doing? Did you sing in church at all? Uh, no. So I I did. Like the chi- the the children's choir, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like as far as like in the church. But it wasn't anything like those serious. It was just kind of like being in the church, kind of doing it. I didn't grow up in the church. I only started going when I was sixteen. So this is like my sophomore year in high school, because uh, my friend was going to the church and stuff. So I I did it, but it wasn't anything like super serious. Um, I think what kept it going, um, one other than the girls <laughs> and other than the the you know the the impact I guess on certain people, um, just. It got to, I think, on my junior year, I had a, was it junior year? I think junior year. The junior year, I had um, an opportunity to be All-State um, for, like, you know, for tenors. And I got it, and I was actually the second best or second best scored singer in the state of Virginia. So at that time, I was like, well, hold up. This can actually be a thing, not just, you know, singing. Because um, I used to play football and stuff, so, like, I, you know, being competitive and stuff. Like, when I, when I got that, I was like, okay, cool. I can do it. And then I had a play. Um, the Wizard of Oz, and I was the lion, or Cowardly Lion. And um, there's a guy who came to me after that. This is actually what, what made me want to do it, like, 
for a living. There's a guy who came after uh, came up to me after a matinee show on Saturday. Now this is a grown man and got no kids. <laughs> like it should have been a stranger danger alert, but he came <laughs> up to me um, on Saturday after the high school uh, play, and he was like, "Man, I went to court today, and I like, got some bad news in court." Um, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh my god, this man about to kill me!" So I got to start screaming like immediately. But he was like, "I went to court, had a bad day in court. Like I literally was, like." was about to just blow the whole thing up until I came here. I saw you, man. I'm telling you, man, like you got a gift and I appreciate you. Just thank you. So I was like, well, first of all, the serial killer just, you know, I saved the serial killer's life. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this forever. But no, I think just that, that conversation, that short interaction was just like, you know what? This actually can be something. It, it was just really, it just fulfilled you. You know how you kind of like mm. first inclined, you like feel something. It's just like, this feels right. Uh, so when he did that, I was like, man, I'm trying to do this and really, like, put it out there, not just do it for myself. Um, so that's what kind of, like, kept me going. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you were singing um, in school plays, and then um, and then you graduate, and then what happens? Graduated, um, chilled a little while, got a scholarship to Virginia Union University. Um, and when I was there, the dean of music was telling me, he was like, you really don't need to be you know, here, um, like you're, you're, you're good and I could teach you, but I think, I think you don't need to be here to kind of like go through this system. I think you kind of need to be out there. You already got a good vision of what you're trying to do. So after the first semester, I was like, okay, I'm not going to come back because it's expensive anyway. Um, so then from there, I went back up home and kind of just like relaxed for like two years, just kind of figuring out what I really wanted to do. If it, if it was really singing, cause in high school, it's one thing to know what you want to do, but when you're actually out of school and it's like, is this something that I can afford to do? You know what I mean? So um, I just kind of was just like thinking about it and just like, you know, praying about it, putting it out there, kind of like, ah, I want to do this, but I only want to do this if it makes sense. Um, that was my big thing, if it makes sense. So I think after that, that was like, like I said, two years. Um, then my mom came to me and she was like, you know, I think you need to go down south with your cousins, you know, to Atlanta. Because, you know, that's like black Hollywood, da, 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 da. you know, she kind of like encouraged me to kind of take it out. Um, and at first I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't know because I don't know it out there. But I think just something happened. Um, George just was like, you know what, I think this is the right thing to do. I kind of need to jump out there. So I did that and came to Atlanta. And that was in 2012 because um, I graduated in 2009, spent years, and then 2012 came down. Came down and, um, you know, kind of working serving jobs and stuff here and there. Went to school for engineering, um, for audio engineering. I actually came down for acting. But that was just really kind of just a distraction from what I was doing, just to try to make some type of, you know, I don't know, safety net or passion or whatever. But um, I went to, I stopped doing that. I went to uh, school, which was Atlanta Institute of Music, um, just to learn engineering. Cause I've already making my own stuff, but I didn't know, like to, to teach somebody else to do it, I didn't know it. Yeah. So I wanted to know it to the point that I could teach somebody else to do it. Um, so I went to school for that and it was like, you know, cheap and whatever like that. So I went there, learned that after that, I was teaching vocal or vocal coaching, um, at, I was a vocal instructor at, um, guitar center studios. And then, um, that was an Alpharetta and then, um, hmm. just kind of did that for like a year, years and change. And then I went on not a tour, but like, I was, I was always taking time off to go around to sing at different cities and stuff. Cause I met a, man, a manager while I was in in school 
and we were just kind of going around. So I went to Jackson, Mississippi to kind of, you know, be on the radio out there to perform, um, opening up for Melanie Fiona and stuff. So I was like, you know what, I think I can actually do it. So that vocal coaching job kind of, you know, stopped because then I went there. Then it fell through because, I mean, it takes a lot to be an artist for real. So, I mean, in my mind, I was like, okay, cool. If I'm doing shows with uh, Melanie Fiona and I'm on the radio, then it's no time for me to, you know, kind of blow up. But obviously that doesn't happen like that. So <laughs> it didn't happen like that. Then I came back and I think I got to a studio. Um, I met a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. He's like my brother, um, Jeremiah, actually, because he told me about you. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah. Um I met him through a, a person that was a friend that I was working with at Guitar Center. Yeah. And um he said he was looking for songwriters and stuff. So I was like, you know, I write songs, whatever here and there. We kinda linked and got through that. So we was doing studio work, um, kinda like helping other people make their songs and stuff, you know, indie artists and stuff who wanted to make music. Mm-hmm. We were making our money off of that in at first. And uh, it was like small amounts, it wasn't like anything astronomical, it was just like, you know. I can write a hook for you for 75 or something. You know what I'm saying? Something just really simple. Because in my mind, I'm like, if you drop it, I'm still going to get right. So I'm not really trying to, like, hit you over the top of the head. I just want to, you know, just pay for the service and we'll just get it. Just a, a hustle. So I was doing that. Um, and that's probably up to probably 2016, maybe 15, 16. Um, in and out, you know, going all that stuff. Um, fell into some hard times, you know, kind of. I had to shuck up with uh, Jeremiah and his family and his roommates because I was, like, you know, kind of homeless in a sense. Um, but I still, like, trying to grind and stuff. And then we were working at Sprint because we were both just, like, let's just get, a, like, an actual steady job just to, you know, just, you know, get back up on our feet and stuff. Um, so we got Sprint job, and I met a guy through Sprint, um, a good guy. Um, and he uh, he was being approached with the cheer stuff that I think Jeremiah told you about. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about it. And he was explaining to me, and I was like, that doesn't kind of make sense, like, as far as, like, the pay and stuff. I was like, ah, it seems, like, really low. But he was like, man, it's going to be, like, the volume of it, though. Like, as many, like, basically the turnover rate is crazy, so it's going to, like, you know, make sense for, as far as financially. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, maybe. It was, like, a year goes by, and then he hits me up. He's like, yo, opportunity opened up. You want to, like, you know, jump in, whatever, like that. I'm like, all right, let's try it. So that's when I meet the guy that I'm working with now. Um, and then really kind of the rest kind of leads me up to this point, which was kind of, I went in and I looked at it like a, basically like the same hustle I was doing in the studio, but since the turnover rate was so, you know, fast, I was like, okay, if I do this amount of tracks, you know, a week, I can make this amount of money. That way I can, you know, start to kind of pay, you know, bills and be consistent with it. Yeah. Um, I guess with that drive, he saw that and he was like, you know what, I want you to be more on board. Um, so slowly but surely, you know, from part-time or from um, contract work to part-time to full-time, I'm here today, and I think I do it full time. So, yeah, that's that's the whole. Yeah, what's the name of the company for people who don't know? Uh, this is New Level Music, um, New Level Music, and it's a cheer production company. And I work with the producer um, Cheer Music Pro. I work with him. His name is Patrick Avard. Um, yeah. So, what is the difference between cheer music and music you might hear on the radio? So there was a law that uh, was passed in the cheer music world, um, in a sense, is basically what they're calling it. Um, and a lot of, I think, the, the reason why it was passed, not I think, the reason why it was passed is because a lot of DJs and stuff were using actual music um, for these cheer competitions. And where that would have been cool before, there were a lot of venues that were charging people to come attend the competitions. They were selling videos of the competitions, obviously, 
you know, kind of like the soliciting. Um, but these DJs weren't paying the rights for the um, music that they were using for the mix. So I think, I don't know what company it is, but basically at that point, when you're doing something like that, it's like, it's only a matter of time that one, it catches up to you. And for the person that catches it sooner, it's only a matter of time for that to get to such a big offense that they can then just shut it down because they have all the proof, you know, and all the evidence that they right. need. So I get, it got to a point where a company got like sued tons of millions of dollars. Um, and then the the whole organization, the whole cheer world um, switched the rules and said that you got to use um, original music now. You can't use any of the, you know, actual songs because obviously those rights are too expensive because they just took a big hit. Right. So, with that being said, that opened up a huge opportunity um, for songwriters and creators and singers and stuff and producers and stuff because obviously we do what we we do what we love not for a living. So to do it for a living is like now you got you know jobs and stuff. It is such a, a lucrative market. It's, it's like a niche market, yeah. but it's so lucrative because you got these you know people who are just privileged that are, are um, cheering for like, whew, like $20,000 per kid, you know what I mean? Like per organization per year. And it's like tons of teams and stuff. So it's like, it just only makes sense for somebody to kind of put it together. And be like, you know what? I could probably make a little career with this. So I sat down with um, the guy that I'm working with now. And I was like, I, I want to make this like my career. Um, like, I have my dreams and stuff. You know, I want to be an artist and, you know, I am an artist and singer, songwriter and stuff like that, but I want to do music for a living. So I sat down with him and I was like, I'm trying to basically do enough work to where that, ma- like, that makes sense, you know, like for it to, to happen like that. Yeah. He was like, I'm on board with that because he was already, during the time that they were still using other people's music, he was already implementing his own original stuff just to, you know, differentiate, uh, different, uh, differentiate his uh, production from everyone else. So when it did kick in, the law kicked in, a lot of people who didn't know music theory, you know, fell short. And he, who already had been doing this, skyrocketed. So it was like, you know, that's perfect because you could just do it with me. So we kind of like created this, you know, kind of like partnership and, and bond in that situation, understanding that this is what, you know, I was here for. And um, really, that's that's why I have a job today because, you know, whoever messed up a long time ago. So I'm definitely thankful, grateful for them. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So, shout out to them. <laughs> right. So, what is that music like? No, it's eclectic. Um, it's uh, energetic. It's more so like EDM. Um, so, obviously, when you think about cheerleading, you think about the, you know, you know what I'm saying, type stuff. And it's mostly that. But um, because it's four on the floor, it's like, it, it, it to some, it could pin you in a corner, but to some, it just like, you know, just it just creates a whole new opportunity. At at this point, mm. I'm making stuff that like I'm trying to fit in to this like this style from a whole different style. You know what I mean? Just kind of keeping it fresh and keeping it new. Yeah. But um, it's just really energetic, really you know high, you know, just fast pace and just yeah. back and forth, back and forth. And it's not even full songs for it. It's like I just gotta make a chorus most of the time. And even then, not even a long chorus. Just something that's just like eight bars long or maybe four bars long. Hmm. And then because the music changes so often, it's just like, give me the idea, we switch to another idea, we switch to another idea, we switch to another idea. So it's not even like, yeah, it's not even like as taxing. Um, so, so. Oh, okay. So it's not even full songs then. Yeah, no. Oh. Not at all. It's like, at most, verse, pre-chorus and chorus. At most. 
And then like, what are the, so if it's verse, uh, chorus and pre-chorus, what are the, the themes? What kind of things are, are being um, said? Um, it's different. So like with certain teams, you have certain personalities. Mm. Right. So they got, um, like, for instance, there's a team um, called uh, uh, Cheer Extreme Senior Elite. And they have such a huge fan base, but they're more of the emotional, epic sound um, that just kind of, it's edgy, but still emotional, kind of like a, like a theatric. Mm. Um, and they, their whole fan base just loves it. So their, their personality is that. So when I'm writing for them, I know to write big ballad type records or, you know, strong, edgy, you know, EDM type records with big vocals. Um, you got another team that's complete opposite, um, Woodland Elite. Um, that's it's a gym, but they have like a whole bunch of teams under them. But they're more militant, so it's a lot structured, it's a lot you know edgy and definitely like thrashy type sounding. So I write a lot of you know percussive type flows on their stuff. Mm. Um, you just it, you just after a while kind of know the teams. You just like okay, cool, this is their vibe, um, and it just kind of goes from there as far as osmosis. You know what I mean? So oh, interesting. It's different things. The things vary. Yeah. Um, so are you writing, um, are the teams coming to you and telling you like what they want you to, what they're going for, what they'd like you to write or you're, how does that work? Yeah. So they go, yeah. So with, with the producers I'm working with, um, they go to him. So I, I, I take their, I take advice from, or take, you know, direction from him. Um, they go to him and they're just saying, you know, this year we want to, you know, do something different. We just, everybody wants to do something different every year. So they're like, this year we want to do something different. Um, we want to, you know, be epic. This is this. Like, these are our taglines that, we, you know, we feel strong about. They, they hit us with a biography of the, of the team of that year. Because every year, these, you know, these people grow up. So they grow out of their division. So you get a whole new team every single year. Um, so then it's like, they tell us a synopsis of that team's energy, that team's spirit that year. And then we take that kind of like, and it's, a, it's an in-depth synopsis. It's like one of those, like, at the beginning it was rough and we found our way and now we are here to thrive again. So you take that line and you're like, okay, cool. At the beginning it was rough. We found our way. We're here to thrive again. When we do their mixes, we look at that and like, okay, cool. This is a glory story. This is a victorious story. This is a hardship, but it, you know, it's, um, hardship but there's a, a strong victory at the end you know a, a well-deserved earned victory so we take that vibe knowing the vibe of the gym like, as far as who's creating it and we just kind of put that into it so when i'm making music for it i may have a beat that feels like the vibe of the gym but because i know that they gave that you know biography and sometimes they give notes and stuff they'll, they'll say we want to say this in there we want to point this out you know just for fans and stuff um and we'll, I'll, I'll take those concepts with this beat and then just start thinking of like melodies that kind of match the words and the story of, of, of what they're saying. And it's the first, most of the time, the first idea that comes to my head is most of the, the, for, for the, the idea that works because it's just a, uh, uh, I can't explain it. It's like a, it's just a feeling, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like when you feel it, when you sing it, you, you get these words, like certain melodies work for certain words and certain story types and concepts. So it's just like a feeling. So when I go with that, it's just like, ah, perfect. And because it's so high volume, you have no time to just sit there and be like, ah, let me see what it was a couple of weeks. Really try to understand it. It's just like first instinct, first feeling, here's the concept, here's the beat, just run it. And then just, you know, go on to the next one. So. Oh, I love it. And so, it, it alters, yeah. yeah. How long would do you would you say? So you say like it's some um, high volume and quick turnover. How long does it take you? Would you say it takes you to come up with with it from like you know the concept to like mixing it and mastering it and moving on? Hmm. It would take me. 
I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm quicker than most, but how people tell me <laughs> how I move, they will almost paint the same picture. But it takes me probably, let's say, six hours to do five ideas. And this is me going into it, putting the beat up, you know, uh, basically writing it, recording it, putting the stacks inside of it that I need to kind of, you know, uh, demo it for the artist who's going to be singing it, um, just like giving the vibe. And then uh, just, like I said, recording it and then bouncing it down. So my job is to create the content. To mix it is, is going to be on the day of the mix of, of, of when that mix, needs, yeah, that mix needs to be done. But my job is to create the content, create a strong um, demo for an artist to sing over it. So it takes me about six hours to kind of do five, um, maybe maybe a little more than five, maybe five or six or five or seven, um, depending on like how I'm feeling that day. And it just takes me like six hours to do that. And um, so it's, it's, it's relatively quick because as soon as I get done with that, I get more. You know what I mean? So it's just, you need a whole lot of content to just plug and play. Mm. Are you doing most of the, are you basically doing most of it on your own? Do you do a lot of collaborating as far as the writing goes or how does that work? Because there's so many like songs that we have to make, a lot of times we don't really collab because the people who I would be collabing with are making their own songs. You know what I mean? As far as like their own songs for the mix and stuff. I'm not the only writer in here. Um, so a lot of times if I have an idea that I'm like, ah, I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the head of the writers for this um, production team. Um, so a lot of times people will come to me and say, I don't, I don't have this you know direction or I don't know where to go and I'll help them out and I can reach back to them. Um, but it's, it's most of the time it's like, okay, just do your best. You know what I mean? Like you could, you can go here, you can go here, you can go here, whatever like that. And because it moves so fast, people just kind of just know their groove and just knock it out themselves. Um, very rarely do we collab, but when we do, it's amazing. But um, a lot of times you just don't have time to like send it to somebody else to get their opinion to knock it out. You just kind of just got to knock it out. Mm. And plus it adds variety anyway, because if you send it to another writer, you get their style, but they already have 20 songs they're doing that week with their style. So it's like, you kind of want to just knock it out your own way. So we have a different you know, variation. Mm. And how do you find um, how do you find the I guess your staff your your singers and your songwriters? Uh, same way people find their favorite artists. So like, I'll go on um, Instagram, Spotify, whatever the case is. Like if I hear about it, like I'm in the music scene in Atlanta anyway. So if I hear that a writer's dope, if I hear that a producer's dope, whatever the case is, I'll check them out. And if I feel like they can make the sound for the, the cheer stuff, because it's not just like, it's not vibey stuff. It's nothing like the mainstream stuff. It's more so, if I can if I can say an era of the music, it would be like early 2000s, Britney Spears, uh, Pussy Cat Dolls, um, you know what I mean? Like Justin uh, Timberlake, you know, those type of eras. Um, just with a high energy, different type of vibes, more like poppy sound. Um, so if I see somebody who can do that, I just reach out to them. I just say, hey, you know, I work with New Level Music. I'm a writer with New Level Music, and I heard this stuff, and, I, and I'd love for, you know, us to kind of connect and kind of see, like, if you're interested in making stuff for this. Because what you're basically doing is saying, you're already making the ideas. We're just going to pay you for it. Like, the ideas that you don't use are just, we're basically paying you to practice making beats and practice writing, you know, sections of songs. So it's just like most of the time people are like, ah, you know, I charge this much for my music. And it's like, because it's so, it's such a small amount of a, a whole song. And because it's so much in volume, um, the number still makes sense to them. It's just way smaller than, you know, paying somebody with prestige 
a whole budget for one song. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that one song is going to run through in like five seconds. So it's not even worth it. But yeah, I just got them just natural way. So are you usually, let's see, if you find, I guess, a songwriter who doesn't produce, do you put them together with a producer or do you send them um, tracks to write to or how does that work? Uh, if we find a songwriter that's good, that doesn't produce, um, that's actually how it works, actually, yeah. So if they, start, if, they, if they write well, once they go through the process and they're, you know, they're on board, we just send them beats. You know, just say, here's, here's five. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of come up with it. And the beats are a minute long. So it's not like you have, you know, four minutes in the, in the beat right. um, to write the whole song. It's just a minute long. So just come up with a great idea, top line or whatever like that, send it back. And then we'll just see, okay, this is good, but this is not. Um, and most of the time it is good because it's, it's variation anyway. So it's just like pretty easy. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm glad that you reached out <laughs> because it's such a niche market Yeah. that like not a lot of people know about it. And it's like in desperate need of just variation. So I'm like trying to get it out there to be like, yo, let's get this bag. Cause as a singer, as a creator, you run the risk of people not liking your stuff and you can't make money for it. And then it changes your, um, it changes how you make your music because you feel like I got to tailor it to make some type of money. In this situation, it's like, no, I'll be you, completely you, and you get paid for it so that way you have time to make the stuff that you want to make on your own and drop it without having the, you know, pressure of making it, you know, successful, mm. uh, uh, monetarily. Mm. So, yeah. Um, plug and play. What does it pay a songwriter to do something like this? And is the money right up front? How does it work with um, copywriting? Um, and all of that? Um, it's mostly upfront. And with the, oh, I mean, actually, when I think about it, it's different with each, like, production team. Um, but I, I would say the general thing, or at least the reason why I signed up for it, um, is because the cheerleading music, in the contract, it says that the, the song or, you know, the idea will be used for cheerleading music industry, like, exclusive for that, but not mainstream. And it would say in the contract that in regards to the cheerleading music industry, this is exclusive to, you know, this producer or this team or this, you know, company. Um, however, you can use it outside of the mainstream because it's not, it, as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't seep into the cheer music industry, as far as, you know, like you taking the same idea you were for a team and you're not going to other producers, you know, shopping that same idea, then you're in good standing. If you use it for a song of yours, like if you just decide, dang, I like this, this vibe and this, this style, I kind of want to make a whole song out of it. You can do that and drop it, you know, mainstream because it doesn't affect the business of the cheer world. You know what I mean? And if it, even in that situation, if somebody, t- like, because people can't take music and license it, um, or not license it, but they can't take music and put it in their mix without paying the rights to it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even affect the mainstream world. You know what I mean? So when I signed up for it, I was very, like, adamant about the copyright situation because I didn't want to just make ideas that I think were dope and just give it away for, you know, the money as it is. Um, even going to the money thing, it, it varies. So, I mean, it's not as much as a full song mm-hmm. in the mainstream world, but because it's so small, like I said, it's, it's so big in volume, um, the number is obviously, like, smaller. Um, so it, it'll be it'll make sense once you do like 10 of them and then you're like, okay, cool. Like that makes sense. But because especially if you write quickly, the 10 will go by, let's say either a day or two. So you're making like, like let's say for instance, uh, you're making like probably like 500, 
um, you know, within like two days, if you write like 20 of them or something like that. So you're making $600 in two days. It's like, a, it's, it's, you're looking at it differently. You know what I mean? You're not looking at it like, ah, my mental property is worth such and such. If you look at it like that, that's cool, but it, it, it won't make sense as far as per song, but it'll make sense as far as, you know, weekly work or something. So, but the, the pay uh, varies and stuff. I mean, I think it's a great idea. You know, it's just another avenue. And how much do you generally make with just a, a little bit of an idea anyway? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like, but I'd never like to discourage, like, people. You're um, not, not to cut you off because I, 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 I'd never like to tell people, like, I mean, you're not making anything for yours anyway. Because it's really supposed to be an opportunity. Um, not saying that it was wrong, but it's really supposed to be an opportunity for you to just implement, you know, you can get money for what you already do. And if the free up time for it to do what you really love to do, you know what I mean? Most of the time people who write this chair music don't make that same music for themselves. So it's like, I, I, I look at it like, bro, just get, you know, get your money, learn how to practice and get paid for it. You know what I mean? And then just, you know, do your own thing. Um, but exactly. In the sense it's like, what are we getting for our own ideas anyway? Right. Um, so this is just kind of a way to be like, here's the way that you can get something for those ideas. That's really cool. I love that. Um, and are there any well-known artists on who um, participate like in the on the tracks and stuff like that? Yeah, there are more so like artists from like I said the era of like the two thousands and stuff, maybe two thousand two thousand ten. Mm. Um, just because the energy was just just fit with the uh, the cheer world. Um, if if there's artists that is here nowadays that isn't you know binding to like a label contract where they, they can't do anything outside. Um, then absolutely we bring them in and stuff and you know obviously like there's like famous people on a lot of mixes mm. um, not me personally but I've heard that you know certain mixes have like T-Pain on it mm-hmm. um, and then like there's certain people who have like Bone Crusher and stuff like that so it's like mm. it's, it, it'll come up here and there mm. oh cool you know I know a lot of songwriters who'd be interested in you know in this information so this is really this is really interesting this is very cool Yes, if you know, I mean, not that if you know, but like, yes, send them. <laughs> because I'm always looking to put somebody in this position. Because it's happening so quickly, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get as many people in as possible until they say, hey, no more. I'm trying to literally like flood it because it's such a niche market, but it's so lucrative. I'm like, please, bro, please. Okay. So. Cool. Um, and what else do I have? So what is your, um, I guess, what is your advice for um, for anyone who, I guess, wants to get involved in, in your company or a company like this? Oh, I would say uh, reach out to me. Um, I'm on Instagram, like Amori Jones. Like, I, it's it, because it's so, like, it's not like an actual corporation. It's not like an actual, there's a, there's a website. You can go to newlevelmusic.com. You can definitely do that. Um, and you can reach out to me by email, Amori, um, A-M-O-R-E, at newlevelmusic.com. But um, if it's something that you want to just kind of just even DM me, DM me on uh, Instagram, like Amori Jones on Instagram, um, and just, you know, t- talk to me about that, then that'll be it. So really, because it's so niche, it's not like an advertisement out there looking for, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I've got to know somebody who knows somebody, but I'm trying to make myself that person that people know. That way, you know, people know how to get in. Um, so I would just say, just email me or just hit me up on, just send me a DM and stuff like that if you want to get involved. And then the advice I would say going into it, because a lot of people are like, eh, but I don't know if I could do something like that. Just trust your gut. 
you know what I mean? Like the first idea that you have is most likely the first idea that'll work. Um, Cause how you will learn to like write for it is by osmosis. You just got to keep going and be around it. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, 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 it'll be easy. It's literally a, a layup. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was really great. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for calling me. I mean, thank you for reaching out. All right, everybody. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, so if you want to reach out to Amore, I have all of the information in the show notes. I'm sure he would be